Good evening and welcome to Mets 360 here on Cast. We took uh, a little time off, but we're ready to, to jump right back into the podcast. And I'm joined today by Mets 360 writer Dalton Allison. Dalton, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well today. I mean, I'm right now I'm in the, the middle of classes, so this is kind of a nice way to get away from the coursework a little bit and get into something that I really love. So are you actually in class? That would be awesome if you were in class and doing this. <laughs> no, I, I'm not in class right now. I'm actually at the uh, the radio station that I work at on campus right now. I'm in one of the studios. All right, and uh, radio station, what kind of music do they play? They at, We call it modern active rock, but it's actually a heavy metal station, really. Uh, <laughs> but we use we use modern active rock to kind of get it past the, the guise of the, the, the Catholic overlook of our station because I, do, I attend a Catholic university, so... Aha. Now, um, I went to NC State, and when I was there, the college radio station was a, uh, 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 most of the times it was a heavy metal station, but uh, uh, later on at night, I think the DJs could play whatever it was that they actually wanted to. They didn't have any format, but I don't think that the the range of the the station extended more than 10 or 15 miles away from campus anyway, so. Yeah, we have, we have, it's at WSOU, we have a nice, um, we actually have a, a great, bandwidth we had we broadcast a lot because we were grandfathered into the the old rule with the fm radio stations so we have a, a pretty nice range in the the new jersey area well outstanding well as much as i'd like to talk about music this is a podcast about the mets and and uh let's shift uh back into baseball and uh tell me what was your uh, favorite moment of the 2018 season well, my favorite moment is kind of stretched out over the entire season, and that was just really being able to watch Jacob DeGrom pitch this season. It was it was really an honor. It's a, it's a shame that the the team, the rest of the team, didn't didn't quite put up the the production that he was putting up. But wow, just to be able to know that every fifth or sixth day you were gonna turn on the TV and just see a masterful pitching performance was just it was a pleasure. It truly was, and unlike anything I've seen before I mean I'm a a relatively young Mets fan and I have never seen a dominant pitching performance like that before in my life certainly what uh, DeGrom uh, did this year was uh, tremendous I think there was only one outing all year long where he gave up four runs and uh, it's it's remarkable that uh, he had to struggle and go all the way to the final uh, his final game of the season in order to uh, achieve a, a winning record um all right. Well, if that was what stuck out to you the most from uh, uh, this season, what do you think the most important development of the the 2018, more of an overarching uh, thing, if you will? Well, the first half of the season, it was it was interesting. The first half the the first half of the first half of the season was very very good, and the Mets started off extremely hot. But then then June hit, and the Mets went five and twenty one. So. That it, things looked very, very bad at that point in the season, but after the All-Star break, the team started to pick it up, and for me, it was watching the the consistency start to develop for players like Michael Conforto, Ahmed Rosario, and then, of course, Jeff McNeil out of nowhere came up and just, they played so well, and I, for me, the, the development of the, the position players to be able to actually become reliable bats in the lineup not just a spark every now and then for me that was just very important to the team this season and it showed they had a very successful September they were 18 and 10 the month of September they were 15 and 15 in August but they just had a a great great month of September 
No, uh, certainly it's hard to argue with that, and I'd also throw Brandon Nimmo into the mix because he started off the year uh, kind of thought of by a lot of people as a fourth outfielder, and I don't think anyone views him that way anymore. But uh, I'd also say that the development of the starting pitching, you know, for years we've been told about how this was uh, five aces and uh, any other phrase that you'd like to use, but because of injuries, we've never really seen uh, that consistency over a long period of time. But I think that what we witnessed this year for over a half of the season with, uh, well, full year for DeGrom, but over a half of the season with both Syndergaard and Wheeler really uh, makes us feel like there's three guys who are who are really those cornerstone pitchers that you're looking for. You know, maybe Matt isn't in that category yet, but if, uh, if they have three people who I believe – Syndergaard didn't have enough innings, but if he did, they would have three pitchers who finished in the top 15 in the National League in ERA. And and to me, that uh, that was the most important development, turning that uh, potential into reality for the starting pitchers. Yeah, of course. Really, ever since w- this was the the best year of Zach Wheeler's career, and for me, it's the when Zach Wheeler's elite. That's what turns this rotation elite because it's great to have two aces at the top of it when you really can't distinguish which one of those DeGrom is the obvious number one but when you can't when it's hard to decide whether to start Syndergaard second or Wheeler second if you're looking at the top three pitchers in the lineup it's a fantastic problem to have because I'd be fine with either of those guys being my number two pitcher and I think most teams in the MLB would kill to have the problem that the Mets have right now and while the season ended on a good note it was still a a sub 500 year for the Mets so what do you think was the big the biggest disappointment of the year for the team Oh, for me, it was the bullpen. The bullpen was just absolutely atrocious this season. And really, you look at two guys in the bullpen, or at least I do. You look at Jerry Blevins, and you look at Anthony Swarzak, two guys who signed from out of the organization. I mean, Blevins has been with the team for a couple of years now, but Swarzak was really supposed to come in and finish finalize this bullpen. They were supposed to be helpful in the lead-up to Jerry's Familia. But they just went out this season, and they absolutely disappointed everyone. I don't know anyone who was happy with the performances of either Jerry Blevins or Anthony Swarzak. I mean, Anthony Swarzak might have been one of the the more disappointing free agent signings in the past couple of years for the Mets. Yeah, no one can argue about the the bullpen being a colossal dumpster fire, but you mentioned Swarzak, and to me, he's part of the, the other thing that I would point to, and that's just the failure of every single free agent that the Mets brought in this past offseason to deliver whether uh, that was injury related or uh, being old or not being good, whatever you want to call it. Sure. I mean, they, they brought in uh, Swarzak. Uh, they brought in, uh, they re-upped with uh, Jay Bruce. They brought Todd Frazier in, um, Adrian Gonzalez, and I'm sure there's uh, right. one or two guys that I'm missing. But, but it seemed like the entire free agent class was a big swing and a miss. And, and yeah, in a way, you're always paying for past performance when you when you sign free agents. But the the extent that uh, they swung and missed on that was, was a, a big disappointment for me. Yeah, at least in, towards the second half of the season, Jay Bruce started to turn it around. But before that, you were right. He was just, he was terrible. And to be honest, right now, the Mets don't have the room in the outfield for players like Jay Bruce who are on a, a decently sized contract to be terrible. Brandon Nimmo and Michael Conforto are going to occupy two-thirds of that outfield no matter what. So 
I guess they'll stick Jay Bruce stick Jay Bruce at first base, but Dominic Smith started to turn it on towards the end of the season as well. So it's going to be interesting what they do with Jay Bruce. Agreed. Now, um, there's still baseball being played, uh, playoff baseball. So even though the, the Mets aren't in uh, this year, do you have a, a rooting interest in the playoffs? I actually, I have a couple. I, I'm first and foremost right now. I'm last night. I was rooting for the Oakland Athletics, and right now I'm rooting for the Boston Red Sox. But I mean, I would have been rooting for the Red Sox anyway because they're just they're the American American League team that I fancy, and I I like the culture that they they built. They have a lot of nice players on that team, and then of course their manager Alex Cora, the former Met. All you ever heard when he was playing is that he's going to be a manager one day at the MLB level, and now that that's come to fruition, he's been a great manager. But of course, he was handed a a fantastic roster as well. So I'm. For the American League, my rooting interest is the Boston Red Sox. But for the National League interest, I'm really I'm rooting against uh, the Colorado Rockies. And I don't have anything against the players or the organization, but I want Nolan Arenado to get frustrated in that position. So maybe one day he'll open up his mind to leaving the Rockies and potentially being the next cornerstone player, the next cornerstone third baseman for the New York Mets. All right. Now you talked about Alex Cora and and uh, his managerial uh, case. And what do you think of uh, Mickey Calloway in his first season as uh, Mets manager? Well, I was a little disappointed in Mickey Calloway. I was excited for the the new culture that he was going to bring. But I mean, really, it's a lot of what we've the pro we've experienced a lot of the problems that we used to have, and that the Mets blew games towards the end of the game. They just blew games and. I don't think Mickey Callaway had as much as an impact as the, the pitching coach of the Mets did this season. I think, the, if anything, the, the pitching coach of the New York Mets, he really instituted more of a culture change than Callaway. Yeah, it's real interesting because Callaway was so known for working for pitchers, with pitchers. I don't know uh, how to divvy up the credit between he and uh, the current pitching coach, Dave Island, because certainly the, the work that was done with Wheeler and I think even uh, Syndergaard, um, uh, that was just tremendous. And, um, you know, I, I'm happy to give credit wherever it's due. I'm just not sure if uh, that should go to Callaway or Island or, or what mixture between the two. Um, one of the things that I liked early on about Callaway was that he was using his relievers, uh, specifically Gazelman and, and Lugo, in, in multi-inning stints. But then out of necessity near the end of the year, it was much, much more traditional with uh, going with uh, the relievers one inning at a time. And I understand why he did that, but I'm, I guess I'm a little afraid uh, of what's going to happen next year. I, I certainly hope that Gesellman and Lugo can shift back into the, to the multi-inning role, but if not them, who and uh, I know that they they tried various guys multiple innings at a time with uh, very mixed results and I, I don't think that just anybody is suited to do that uh, and when you have uh, people like Aselman and Lugo who who did well in the role over uh, over multiple months I, I hope they get the chance to do it again in 2019. Yeah I mean we're, we were used to seeing Gazelman and Lugo start games for the Mets but they looked fantastic out of the bullpen and if if the Mets were to build the bullpen around those two guys and give them a little bit of rest because they did work a lot this past season, they they could be interesting cornerstones for the for the bullpen moving forward. Now, 
maybe the biggest question facing the Mets this offseason is who they get to uh, run the team. Uh, do you have any uh, front runner, anybody you hope gets the, the next GM job? I hope, I hope I'm saying her name right, but Kim Ng, I believe that's how you pronounce it. She, um, for many years, she straight out of college, she's just been a baseball mastermind. She worked with the Yankees for a couple of their championships, moved to the Dodgers, and currently she works for the MLB as the, the right-hand woman of Joe Torre. For for most of her uh, for most of her career, she's been the right-handed woman for a lot of very important baseball minds, including Brian Cashman and Joe Torre. So, to see, I I want to see her have an opportunity to get her own team, kind of implement her own her own um her own mentality, because I think that she's just more than capable of that, and she has a great track record as well. A lot of her teams have been winning teams, so I don't see any reason why not to take a risk on her. And of course, the Mets uh, turned to the MLB offices last time around and uh, got Sandy Alderson. Or maybe that was uh, part of the agreement from Bud Selig. Uh, I, we still don't know how that all went down. Yeah, I, I'm, I think that she just brings just a, a great profile. I mean, she's been doing it for a very long time now. 29 years old was when she was hired by Brian Cashman as an assistant general manager. Youngest one to ever be an assistant general manager. And... I think that she would she would just change the culture of this team for the better. Regardless of who the next GM is, do you see any of the uh, the five guys who ended the season in the rotation uh, being traded? I don't. I think that especially the core three of of Degrom, Syndergaard, and Mats, I can't see them being moved. I'm besides that, um, Mats and Vargas. I don't think right now you'd be able to catch a very good trade offer for either of them so I think the rotation is going to stay intact I, I still want to hang on to Steven Matz anyway just for a little bit just to see if we can really pull anything out of him because he showed flashes this past season of what he could potentially be but I think that right now the rotation is going to be the same as it is come opening day of 2019 well, let me let me ask a, a follow-up then. So we've got a, a new GM coming in, and, and we know that GMs usually like to put their, their stamp on an organization. Um, if you don't see one of the five starting pitchers being traded, do you see a, another trade uh, possibly happening? I could, uh, I could see the Mets trading Dom Smith. I think that they're running him out there to really show his, his potential to other teams. I, I feel like right now there's just no room for him uh you have a bunch of players coming up to the system right now you have jay bruce out there uh, eventually we hope you assessment is going to make his way back out to the outfield so it's it's really a matter of where you put dom smith and right now he, there's there's hardly a spot for him so i think if anyone's going to get traded from this team it's going to be dom smith all right well we've reached the crazy prediction time of the show i'm going to give you a, a crazy prediction and ask you to comment on it and then I'll ask you to uh, give me your crazy prediction. All right, you ready? Yes. All right, so this year, 2018, the Mets hit 170 home runs. The National League average per team was 179, so they were below average. The Dodgers led the National League with 235 home runs. My crazy prediction is that in 2019, the Mets will lead the National League in home runs. So I want to know, how crazy is that? I think that's very crazy. I do not think that the Mets have a, a powerful enough lineup to be able to out-home run the Dodgers. I mean, you look at the Dodgers roster, 
they had players like like Puig, and they also had Manny Machado on their roster then later in the season, about halfway through. Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, you name it. They have power at nearly almost every position. The Mets, they have a lot more average hitters. Hitters who go for average are Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimmo. Those guys don't hit for power. So I, I do not see the Mets... I could see them hitting more home runs, but I can't see them leading the National League in home runs. Well, I'm, I'm overjoyed to finally have one of my predictions labeled as, as crazy. All right, hit me. What do you got? Well, I think the New York Mets, they're going to get a GM from outside of the organization, which is fantastic. And I, my crazy prediction is that they're going to make a big splash and sign Clayton Kershaw. I think the Mets, I think, Jake, I think Clayton Kershaw is going to opt out of his contract. He's going to join this crazy free agent rush that's about to happen this offseason. And I think the Mets are going to make a play for him. And then once they sign him, they're going to establish the most dominant rotation in baseball. All right, so I, I have to say that that's crazy, man. Uh, I I I'd be I'd be a little bit surprised if Kershaw opted out, and then I'd be hugely hugely surprised if he ended up on the Mets. And if they do get Kershaw, you still don't think they're going to trade one of their their five starting pitchers? I think maybe in the case that they get Kershaw, they they potentially trade one of their starters. I can't see them trading any of the top three, which is who the teams would want. I mean, maybe you could make the case that Matt's or Matt's is a recollection um, a, um, a recovery project but I don't see any trade value in Vargas right now so I outside the top three I don't think any of those guys are getting traded well I, I tell you what my my hats off I thought I came up with a good one but I think yours is even crazier but the good news is if it comes to pass you we we've got it here on tape yeah you it, can you can recording. go and you can go and crow about this prediction said I said it back in October. Yeah. Wow. That that may be the craziest prediction we've had here on the crazy prediction segment. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. It's crazy until it happens. Ah, <laughs> uh, that that that's an excellent saying. I dig it. All right. Um so um you 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 predicted uh that and uh i i guess i was uh i was thinking uh along a, a maybe a slightly less crazy uh, uh point of view but uh, along the same idea with the the mets being active at the top end of the free agent mark market and i was thinking um of either harper or machado do you think there's a chance that either of those players ends up on the mets I would love to see it happen. I'd love to see them make a splash for one of those guys. I think they would turn this this roster into something that could be competitive next year, especially in the NL East, where the second-place team finished two games over 500. But I, I don't see it happening. I mean, Bryce Harper, for some reason, it seems like he always has compliments for the Mets and their pitching staff, which is it's interesting to see considering the Mets and the, the Nationals really are rivals in the division. But... I don't see where he would fit in the outfield. I'm sure if you sign a player like him, though, you do make a fit. But I I don't see him fitting in with the culture of this team right now. I feel like Bryce Harper would be constantly clashing with Noah Syndergaard. I think that would be an interesting clash of personalities right there. And I Manny Machado, I think the Mets are really invested in having Ahmed Rosario as their future, either at the shortstop or second base position. So I, And we know Machado's going to want to play shortstop wherever he goes. So... I don't see it happening. Yeah, you'd have to struggle to make uh, either of those guys fit, but they're such unique talents that you would certainly make that struggle. 
you were talking about uh, Harper possibly being a, uh, uh, a divisive presence and I'm trying to think of, of issues that he's had and I, I, I know that he rubs people the wrong way but as far as actual confrontations with players and and I'm not pretending that that I know everything that happened but the only one that I can think of was he and Jonathan Papelbon uh, had a, a big blow up in the dugout but I would tend to blame that more on Papelbon who was definitely known for being a, a, a less than uh, than perfect teammate can you think of any other issues where uh, Harper and a teammate clashed that that is the incident that I was thinking of just because that was so out there it happened right right in the dugout in plain sight for everybody to see but I I don't necessarily think that it would be brought to that level obviously but I I just see two strong personalities and I I don't know how that would go I don't know how that would get along uh, a Syndergaard and Harper combination surely that would be one of the most interesting things to see in Major League Baseball and it would certainly sell tickets so from that aspect it would it would sell tickets so I believe that Harper hits a few home runs while uh, Noah's pitching. He becomes Noah's best friend. Yes. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, we we talked uh, briefly about this before, and, and I'm going to assume that uh, you're going to keep the, the same answer. And uh, um, the, the Met most likely to be traded in the offseason. You, you mentioned uh, Dominic Smith earlier. Are you sticking with that one? Yes, I, I am sticking with Dom Smith. I think he's still the most likely Met to be traded simply because he, his bat – so far has not been elite enough to merit a spot on the on the current lineup I think there's a couple of other Mets as we stand right now that there's Mets that we could plug in at first base I mean they're heavily invested monetarily in Jay Bruce so they definitely want to play him while they're paying for him and then in in the outfield you have to put him in one of the corners and that means sitting either Brandon Nimmo or Michael Conforto so I I don't see it happening I don't know if there is really uh, anybody who's who's likely to be traded in in the off season. Uh, uh, I always look at uh, guys who I consider uh, lightning rods, where the half of the fan base really really likes them, and then half of the fan base would be happy if they were elsewhere. And and those two guys for me are, are Wilmer Flores and Juan Lagares. And Flores is arbitration eligible. Um, uh, this year, and and to me, he's he's a non-tender candidate. So it'll be real curious to see if the the Mets uh, uh, do tender him, and and if they do find um, maybe an American League club where he can DH and his fielding isn't such an issue. And Lagaris, of course, uh, great defensive player, but has uh, had trouble uh, being a viable offensive player, and he's had even more trouble staying healthy and and playing a full season. And I'm sure the Mets would like to be rid of his salary. And, and to me, the question would be how much they would have to kick in to, to make a, a team trading for him uh, be receptive to, uh, to, to taking him on. You know, if the Mets picked up a quarter of however many millions he has left, uh, would, would that make him tradable? I don't know. But uh, I would imagine that uh, Ligaris might be the, the guy that they are actively pushing the most, whether they can find a, a, a buyer, I don't know. Yeah, of course. It's, I mean, he's a very, very enticing player just based on the, on the way that he fields. He, he, he's so natural out in center field. He's a, he's a perfect fit when he fields, but his, his, his lack of consistency on offense and his penchants for getting, getting hurt is just, it's incredible the way that he, the, the rate that he gets hurt at. So, the Mets would need to kick in probably a significant portion of his contract to be able to move him. 
All right. Well, you have any uh, any parting thoughts you want to share? Uh, just hopefully that the the new general manager, whoever they are, gives an extension to Jacob Degrom because if he doesn't deserve it after, he's most likely going to win the Cy Young Award. So if they don't give him an extension after that, you, it's hard to. It would be it would be something. That was Dalton Allison, and thanks for uh, listening to uh, the Mets 360 podcast this week with uh, Dalton. I'm your host, Brian, and uh, we'll be back uh, next week with uh, a new guest uh, talking about the Mets and MLB. Good night, everyone, and goodbye. <laughs>